Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Sister, are you ready to call in your next baby? Longing for a child and yearning deep in your body for your baby to be conceived, but not yet being pregnant is such a tender and precious time. My name is Nancy Lucina. I am Free Birth Society's in-house shamanic facilitator, and I channeled our Welcoming Your Spirit Baby Home course to guide you in this transformative journey. Imagine having a wise sister midwife you through the initiation of conscious conception so that you are able to truly receive all of the lessons and healing of this time. What would it feel like to connect and communicate deeply with your baby? Who would you be if you could cut through the hustle of your modern life and create spaciousness in your body, heart, and spirit for this next babe to come through you? Imagine any fear and worry about when and if resolving. This course is a gentle and loving initiation into facing and transforming your fears, deepening your trust in the divine timing, and preparing your body, mind, and spirit for conception. Go to freebirthsocietycourses.com slash spiritbabies to open the portal for your next child. Kelly unfortunately had a classic first-time hospital birth with all of the interventions. Following her sabotaged first birth experience, she had a hard time breastfeeding and therefore an insecure and disconnected start to motherhood. In her postpartum, she realized that she was done listening to everyone else besides herself. And when she saw raw footage of her friend's unassisted birth, her evolution began to unfold. Kelly shares her experience of coming home to herself after sexual abuse, embodying her power in free birth, and how birth is more than just birth. It's everything. Welcome. (laughs) Hello. So this is exciting because you have been in our community for so long and I'm so excited to be able to really hear um, like all the details of, of your free birth and your pre- previous two births. So why don't you just take us to wherever you want to start with the beginning of your mothering journey? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah. You know, motherhood and this journey has 
just completely transformed every part of me. And when I embarked on it, you know, seven years ago now, my oldest is six and a half. Um, I had so much that I needed to move through that I had no awareness of. And it really did start with the pregnancy with my first, I had a lot of fear. I was very, um, just kind of programmed and indoctrinated into, you know, the medical system and you go to the hospital to get, have, you know, your baby, you kind of relinquish all your power to them. They have all the answers. And that was kind of where I was at in my life. I also, uh, my mother had, you know, her traumatic birth stories with my sister and I, and so I carried that, you know, mm-hmm. um, she had preeclampsia with both me and my sister. So that was my thing, right? That's what I held on to. Well, she had it. So I'm going to, so I definitely need to have this, you know, blanket of security going into my pregnancy and my birth, right? Wow. I need to be monitored and watched. And mm-hmm. I'd heard from her about birth was, was, you know, it, it was a scary thing and, you know, that she almost died and that, you know, that was very real for her, but I, I took that on. And so, you know, I did the typical, you know, going from my prenatals. I, um, I found a, an OBGYN that, um, was recommended by a friend and, you know, I just remember going into those prenatal appointments with her, the doctor that I chose and never feeling good after I left, always feeling like I was rushed. I was ignored that anytime I'd ask a question, it was um, like, you should know this, you know, kind of response. And that should have been my first indicator of like, yeah, maybe this isn't right. And so, um, you know, something that came up during that, um, this was kind of the first thing that started opening my mind was during my pregnancy, you know, they do the typical, every time you go in, you get your urine tested. And, uh, I think it was around 20 weeks I'd gone in, they tested my urine. They called me and they said, you have a UTI. And I thought to myself, well, that's funny. I am pretty like in touch and I don't feel like I have a UTI. And, um, and I said that to the doctor and she said, oh, well, when you're pregnant, you know, that you can be asymptomatic, but you have this and you need to take antibiotics because it's very serious and you can go into preterm labor. So I of course listen and I take the antibiotics for a week. Wow. I go back in and get tested you still have this UTI. You need more antibiotics. I take them for a week. I go back in, I get tested. You still have it. You need a third one. I take it for three weeks. Okay. I then go back in after three weeks and find out that the hospital uh, lab was giving out false positives. (gasps) And in fact, I probably never had a UTI. (gasps) Yeah. And that for me was that first indication of, wait, like I knew I didn't have this. I had that knowing, but I ignored it and trusted these people. I think that that was the first, like, you know, kind of spark. Well, that's a huge mistake. I mean, that's, that's a huge mistake. And being gaslit in the Mm -hmm. middle of the mistake kind of really is everything you need to know about how the system works, you know? I mean, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And, you know, I look back and I'm like, we should have filed a lawsuit. You know, they they basically gave us like 200 bucks as like, and I'm sorry, hush money, I guess. That's weird. 
Yeah. Like they issued you a check. They issued us like a visa gift card. It was oh my God, wild. So weird. I know. Whoa. I know. Okay. So, um, basically, you know, besides that, I had a very typical, very healthy pregnancy. Uh, I went to see my OB at 38 weeks and she did a cervical check and said, you know, you're really uh, tiny. And I think that you should probably go into labor soon because I don't know if your pelvis will be able to deliver your baby. And she said that to me at the 38 week appointment. And I swear there was something inside my body that was like, oh, I don't want to be induced. I don't want to have a C-section. And I kid you not, I went into labor the next night at 38 weeks. (laughs) I swear it was like the universe protecting me in a sense, I guess. And, um, I, was at home with my husband and I, you know, was having contractions and all of that. I had hired a doula at the time and she was wonderful and encouraged me to stay home as long as possible. But mind you, I had all this fear and I felt like, Oh, once I get to the hospital, I'm going to be safe. You know, I stayed at home and labored as long as I possibly could, you know, with all the fear that I was carrying. And um, my doula, you know, got me in the bathtub and did all the things. And I finally got to where I was like, I'm ready. You know, I think I'd been laboring from like, you know, 6 PM the night before. And it was like 11 AM the next day. And we went to the hospital and I get there and I'm, I'm, I'm in it, you know? And of course, you know, they check me and I'm six centimeters. So I'm almost there. And I am just beside myself. Yeah. Really like when I check back in and now that I've, you know, had different experiences in labor, I realized what I was agony, the labor, it was agony of the mind and the fear that I carried and was holding, which was closing me off and honestly trying to protect me being now in this hospital, this environment, all these nurses and people watching me. Um, and I just remember the staff looking at me with like sad eyes. Like you look like you're suffering, like just get the epidural. Like we feel so sorry for you. And of course, me at that time, I took that bait. I was like, okay, yeah, like they know what they're doing. So I got the epidural. Uh, it slowed everything down. And um, I think I was, you know, I went another like seven or eight hours overnight. And eventually they said, okay, it's time to start practice pushing. My water hadn't broken yet. And so my doctor came in and wanted to give me a check and went, oh, your water just broke, which I realize now she probably broke it herself. Um, and then for spent the next three to four hours force pushing my baby out. Um, during the birth, I remember so vividly the doctor doing the perineal massage while I was pushing. And I remember begging her to stop and saying, please stop. This hurts so bad. And she just said, you, I have to help your body. You need help. And I said, I don't. And just begging and begging. And I remember even looking at my doula's eyes and she felt helpless. Like she wanted to help me, but she, her hands were tied. Why were her hands tied? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's how she felt. She felt her hands were tied. Yeah. Yeah. No one has a voice. No one has a voice. And And what about your husband? You know, I think my husband, he was just kind of in the frozen and in the fear with me. Like we hadn't done a lot of research, Mm. you know, about what birth should look like and how 
a woman should be supported. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. I think he relied a lot on the doula. I think he expected the doula to fill that role. You know, he was with me and supporting me, but it's just so funky and it's no like specific fault of any specific husband, you know, or partner or even doula, but it's so weird how, when women are getting abused and screaming, no, everyone Mm -hmm. like centers the doctor who's abusing and puts the doctor as the sole authority while a woman is literally saying no. I've seen this so many times. I mean, I've seen women physically be held down while the husband and myself are like, what the fuck are we supposed to do here? You know? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And, and, and I will tell you, I mean, it took me months to process this afterwards to realize what had happened to me Yeah. because I was abused. Totally. I mean, I was, I was raped while I was giving birth to my first child. And, you know, um, One thing that I will add in is one of the fears that came in from my mother is that when I was born, the cord was wrapped around my neck and they had to cut it. And then that, you know, created all these interventions and I was taken from my mother. And that was part of her story, right? Which is something I held on to too. Well, lo and behold, when my son was emerging, he had the cord around his neck. And because OBs aren't well-versed in nuchal cords and what that means, she freaked out. And as I was pushing, she told me, stop pushing. The cord is around his neck. Now, I know you can, it is hard to stop pushing your baby out when they want to emerge. You're telling your body to go against nature at this point. Of course, I took all the energy and strength that I had in me after pushing for four hours to hold him in. And she clamped the cord and cut it before he fully emerged. And what happened after that was that he came out. I got him on my chest for about five seconds. And they said his APGAR score is too low and we have to take him. And they took him to the warmer and brought in all these emergency people because his oxygen was low. And meanwhile, I'm laying there like, what the fuck just happened to me? And I remember, again, another point where my intuition came in. And I had this moment laying there knowing everything's going to be okay. I know my son's fine. And it was so strong. It was this calm wave that came over me in the midst of the chaos. And again, another just reflection of my intuition saying, I got you, girl. You know, and I just laid there and everyone's freaking out and people are coming in. And all of a sudden, I go to birth my placenta because now it's in 15, 20 minutes and he's still over there. And I start to hemorrhage because I, my cord, the cord was cut and I was, things were medically managed and it was a really scary experience for me having it be, you know, yeah, my first First. baby. And how, how interesting was it that this was, you know, something that had happened to me as a baby. And here it was my first baby having this nuchal cord. It was almost like the symbolism of something that I needed to move through. So, um, basically, you know, bleeding so much that I get a shot of Pitocin against my wishes in my leg. And, um, the bleeding slowly starts to stop according to them. And my doula at that point was like, 
you need to ask for your baby, ask for your baby. Cause my baby was still over at the warmer. And I finally was like, can I please have my baby? Can I have my baby? And I almost felt like the doula had like tears in her eyes, you know, kind of watching this unfold. And I eventually got my son back on my chest and it was a beautiful reunion. And I just knew that he was fine. It was just a knowing he was healthy. He was breathing. He was warm. He was, his color was beautiful and it was bliss to have that moment with him. A few hours go by and they send in, you know, the pediatrician to come observe your baby. And they suggested that he was grunting a bit and that he needed NICU observation. And that's when things really took a turn because that's when I think my husband woke up and he looked at the doctor and he said, no, you're not taking him. This baby is fine. And I said, yeah, my baby is fine. I know my baby's fine. He doesn't need to be in observation. And we proceeded to get in a fight with the entire hospital staff. And they basically threatened, well, you can leave and you'll sign an AMA, but that's really risky. And you, your baby could die. And it became this, like, I mean, I, I remember at one point we had like three doctors in the room and we're getting in this argument and here I have just given birth and I'm expelling this energy. And I mean, we fought and fought and finally we just surrendered and, and we were like, okay, like, what are we going to do? So what ended up happening is they sent him to the NICU and either me or my husband stayed by his side the entire time. He happened to only be there for four hours. Regardless, it was horrific. They pricked him, they poked him. And I even remember being in the NICU and the nurses looking at this baby and saying, why is your baby here? He's perfectly healthy. And I said, you tell me. It's called money, 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 money. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh, so then what happened after that is, you know, I got, we got him back. Of course, all of his tests were normal for them, but then I proceeded to go into my motherhood, carrying that trauma and not even understanding it. And I have to tell you that first year of my son's life was really hard for me. I had a hard time breastfeeding. I struggled so greatly with that. I was insecure about what I was doing. I was disconnected from him, that mother-baby connection, listening to his cues. I was still in the state of listening to everybody else outside of myself about how to mother him, how to sleep train him, how to put him in diapers, how to feed him. It was like, I was just this sponge for all of everyone's shit. And I remember I had multiple days where I was crying on the couch. I remember my husband looking at me like, who is this woman? Like, you know, what is happening? And it was so interesting because in that time, I think I still looked at my doctor as my savior. She saved me and my baby. I still had that idea. And I have to share this because it changed my fucking life. I had recently around the time my son was a year and a half, I had reconnected with a girlfriend from high school that we had kind of gone our separate ways. And she had just had her first baby at home unassisted. And the unassisted was an unintentional. It just, her midwife didn't show up in time, but she decided to send me the raw video. Ah. <laughs> and I remember sitting on my couch, watching that video with my husband. 
and our jaws were to the ground. I mean, it was the most beautiful primal thing you've ever seen in your life. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at my husband and going, she is fucking crazy, but also being like, she's fucking amazing. Like her baby's alive and healthy. She's thriving. And I remember this thought that went through my head and that thought was, could I ever be that brave? Mm -hmm. And I will forever be grateful to this woman, one of my just sisters and best friends, because that, that changed my life. And that was the moment that I said, wait a second, what the fuck happened to me? And I started researching and researching nuchal cords, what they mean, um, you know, all the protocols that they do in the hospital, the tests, are they really necessary? And what I started to unpack, I mean, it just blew, it blew me open. And then I remember I called my doula and I said, I need to talk to you. I need to go through everything that happened to me. And I need you to tell me, was this supposed to happen? And I remember it was almost as if she was so grateful that I had this call with her because she was also able to process all the horror she saw. And she said, you know, no, that shouldn't have happened to you. And yeah, your feelings are all valid. And even in that processing to, to just have someone who was there witness it, you know, and, and I still am sitting with, you know, how much of that was her responsibility versus mine for her to inform me. And, you know, I don't know. I think the truth is, and she even asked me, she said, should I have pushed you to pushed you to have a home birth? Should I have pushed you to, to, to do more, um, of your own kind of taking of responsibility through your pregnancy and birth. And you know what I said to her? I said, I don't know if I was there. I was like, I don't even think I would have heard it. You know, I had to go through this to get to where I am today. And so, yeah. So then I just became this like birth advocate and I was like attending all these women's circles and birth processing groups. And I was like, okay, my next birth, I am having a home birth. I am doing this at home. I am hiring a midwife. Cause at the time, you know, in my consciousness, that was, the next step to taking back my power. It's so I thought ultimate, it's the <laughs> ultimate step, right? And yes. You know about river. <laughs> yes. And I honestly, I didn't even know about that at exactly. that point. Um, and so I conceived my second and, um, found a, a lovely midwife that I connected with very, um, intimately, you know, I went about my prenatal visits. They were very similar, um, in the sense that, you know, we did all the testing and all that. The difference was I got to choose. So I, and that was kind of how I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to take back my power. You know, I refused ultrasounds. I, um, I refused the GBS test. I, you know, I never weighed myself, which was also super liberating for me at the time. And so those were the, those were the ways that I kind of gained that control. But I also remember, and I remember hearing on a podcast that you had mentioned that they use this, like, kind of backwards way of like convincing you to still take these tests. So, you know, one was like about vaccines and we were going over, I think it was like the vitamin K. And I remember her being like, well, you don't have to do it, but here's what could happen if you don't. And it was like all the horrible things. Right. So it was this kind of backwards, like it's called, it's called coercion coercion. Yeah. And, and I see that now I didn't at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had a beautiful pregnancy. It honestly, it was amazing and perfect. And I went, I was very clear before the birth about what I wanted. I didn't want any cervical checks. You know, I wanted to just be very held and observed and all of those things. 
Um, I went into labor uh, in the evening. Uh, I called my midwives a few hours later, they showed up. Um, my midwife brought an, an assistant with her who I had met once, um, who I really honestly didn't like. And um, I had a doula there at the time as well. And I also had a photographer. And Ooh, it, was, it was a full house. And I was also required to provide food for all the midwives and make sure that they were come. Yeah. There was a list that we got before they came over that you had to have a fully stocked fridge for them. And like things needed to kind of just be a certain way. And I remember being like, that sounds kind of backwards, but okay. And I remember that being a source of stress for me. Like, okay, I don't know when I'm going to be in labor, but like, I got to make sure I have food and stuff for them. And like, let me make sure that I'm centering my midwives. Yeah. In my home birth, that's going to be to take my power back. Like it is fucking nuts what these medical fake midwives do. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. (laughs) They have like in in the industry, I used to be in the circus, you know, and, and, and we would perform all the time and, and it's called having a rider where you submit your, like to the venue, you submit your terms essentially of what you need, like, you know, what kind of whiskey you need after the show and what Mm. kind of like candy or whatever. Wow. And it's called a rider. Yeah. So fucking midwives in LA come with a rider. Oh yeah. They do. You know, it's, it's all the things. So, um, you know, I'm laboring, I'm in and out of the tub, I'm in it, you know? And I remember during my labor when I'm like starting to get close to transition, maybe an hour away, the two midwives are sitting on my bed, chit-chatting, looking at their phones, showing each other pictures. And I remember even in my wild state of labor, looking up and being like, can you guys like not do that. It was so distracting. It was so dismissive. Um, it was, it was horror. It felt horrible. It just didn't feel good. Um, you know, they were in and out of the room getting snacks and kind of like, you know, taking care of their needs. Um, as things progressed, you know, I was probably like five or six hours in, um, I got again, coerced into having a cervical check after I had said, I don't want that because I think in their minds, they're like, you're in agony and you've been laboring for a long time and this is your second birth. So things should be moving quicker. And yes, I definitely seemed like I was in agony. I was in fucking labor. That's what it is. A woman is loud. She's, you know, um, all the things. And so fake, fake support. It's absolutely fake support. And so I submitted and I got the cervical exam and in her words, your waters are so healthy that they're too thick and that they're not breaking and that you should probably have us release your waters because that would make things move quickly and your baby will be here soon. I want to go home. Yes. That's what she's really saying. That's what she's saying. And I was at that time still in my fiery determination. And I said, no, I'm going to fucking do this. So I spent the next hour lunging. I mean, fucking roaring, squatting, trying to get my waters to release, which in hindsight, your waters aren't going to release if they're not ready to, you cannot force that. And I was going against nature and it wasn't happening. And I was actually just like exhausting myself. And I remember at one point being in the desperation and the assistant midwife telling me basically to be quiet. And I was, I was, I was kind of screaming and getting really loud. And she was like, you need to make less noise. 
And like, this is what you do. And it was like masked as, oh, I'm coaching you. I'm helping you. And it was so, it felt so gross. And I remember feeling like just horrific in that moment, you know? So I eventually submit and I let her, the midwife break my waters. And 20, 30 minutes later, my baby's head drops down and I birth her and she's perfect. She is crying and pink and beautiful. And, you know, their hands are all over her. And, you know, in my awareness at that time, I thought that was normal. Um, we get out of the tub and the midwives don't like the way her face looks. And I remember laying in the bed and the assistant midwife picking her up without even asking, picking her up and turning her upside down and hanging her by her feet. I have pictures of it to get her blood to like move. I have no fucking idea what they were doing. Wow. Yeah. You know, mind you, she's still inside me and the placenta is still inside and her cords attached. And here's this midwife. I have pictures of this assistant midwife, like holding my baby, like 20 minutes after I birthed her, well, her placenta is still inside me. This is a horrible story. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Like, no, you don't have to be sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's like every home birth I've ever seen, but still, yeah. you know, it's horrible. It is. It's so, it's so fucked up. This like birth that's supposed to be the reclamation and like you invest so much and you, you, you know, you like set yourself up for what you think yeah. is going to be the perfect idyllic birth. And then the betrayal and sabotage and abuse that actually comes and the total, um, the total, what is the right word? Like completely not loving you, completely not caring for you or your little sweet daughter. And what a complicated experience that is to birth at home in your bed or wherever it was and meet your perfect baby. And it's not nearly as horrific as the first, but so much was taken from you. It's such a confusing thing to hold. It is. And, you know, confusing is the right word because here I was again, months after believing that I had this blissful, amazing birth and that the midwives, you know, Mm. helped her come out safely and that they were the people that, you know, were the saviors. I, I truly believed that. And here's what's interesting. Again, this friend of mine, gosh, I love her. I sent her the, you know, we had a photographer and I sent her the photos. And in one of the photos is her holding the baby upside down assistant midwife. And she says, why is the midwife doing that? And I was like, I didn't have an answer. And that's when I was like, huh. And that's again, where my evolution started to unfold. And I don't even fully remember how I stumbled upon free birth society. I think partially it was knowing that my friend had had this unassisted birth. And I think I, I literally went on the internet and typed in unassisted birth. And there you were the free birth society. And I had uh, met a friend at a nature group that um, I attended with my children. And I remember her mentioning it, that she was a part of it. And I started to just do some research 
And I found out about your private community. I said, tell me about this community. I really am something inside me is drawing me towards this community. And if I have more babies that this is my path, I I said, tell me about it. And she said, it's amazing. And she's like, you got to join, blah, 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 blah. I joined and I committed to myself that I was going to absorb and receive all of the wisdom from this community that I possibly could, because if I was going to have another baby, this is where I was supposed to be. And that's exactly what I did. I think I spent a year in the membership learning from these wise women, listening to their stories. I listened to the entire podcast series every night in bed and something inside of me was like, you have to do this. You have to experience this in your lifetime. This is your birthright. Yeah. And I, I also felt a connection to another little baby. And I I also think it's important like to pause there for a second and, and name that like for everyone listening, like when Kelly talks about the, like, I have to do this and correct me if I'm wrong here, but, but it's not, I have to free birth. It's, I have to know birth. I have to know what I can do without any one taking anything from me. And in that free birth is one of the like air quotes, safest ways to do that. Like as limited people, no authorities and on. And the other option is also what we're seeing in our community of women attending women as friends, sisters, radical birth keepers. And that's really what we're talking about is free birth, birth well-supported. Like that's what we're after, right? Birth well-supported, birth, you know, not fucked with. And, and, and that's what I hear when you say that. And that's what I relate to is like, I have to know birth. I have to know, I have to know I can do it. I have to know what it's like to, to have it be completely sacred and reverent. And for so many of us, when it comes time to birth our babies, there aren't the traditional epic sisterly guides available, but there's a lot of, what are they called? Charlatans, snake oil salesmen. You know, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. fake midwives claiming to give that to you. And and unfortunately you were on the receiving end of, of one of those teams. Yeah. But you feel me, right? Oh my God. Yes. And I mean, I got emotional as you were sharing that because for me, this was so much deeper than I can even put words to. This was me owning my life. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, as a child suffered sexual abuse and had so much taken from me as a young woman. And this was my path to healing and liberation and coming home to myself. And when I try to describe what this means, it's hard to even say what it's done for my life. And I, you know, I think, you know, I also have gotten some backlash from family since doing this. And it's like, you know, they just don't understand that this is more than just birth. I mean, it's, it's everything and birth is enough, but it's everything. And, um, yeah, so that, just going circling back to what you were saying about like knowing that I had to do this, this was beyond, this was like in my 
generational healing of my whole life, this path. Totally. And the like, this is going to sound more insensitive than I mean it, but like, it is shocking to me that women with sexual abuse, which is most women birth in the hospital. Yeah. Because and then it gets redone to them. Right. Exactly. Because there's like, you're going to be sexually abused in the hospital. You're, you're going to be like, if you're hearing me on this episode and you don't know that you're going to be sexually abused in the hospital, it's what they do. They're going to finger you, you know, more times than you can count and put instruments up there, whether you want it or not. And, you know, spoiler alert, you're not going to want it. No, you know, so it's, it's, it, it's exactly what you said. It is this, and that's not to blame anyone who winds up in that situation. Most women, you know, I can only assume have no fucking clue what is no. about to happen to them. And also if you're socialized, you know, to accept abuse, then the hospital treatment is going to feel very familiar. Yes. And that is really, ugh, it's really complicated to break away from when your baseline setting is to be violated, which is why stories like yours are so epic. And so, like you said, like complete reclamation of body, soul, spirit, and self, like you have literally chosen to break cycles of abuse in your life, in your lineage. It's so awesome. So good. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I really feel that. Yeah. And I think that's why you know, this journey for me, I am so grateful to share because, you know, when I started to unpack all the things that had happened and to then, you know, being, I think, you know, I want to say I was around 16, 17 months postpartum for my second birth, which was the home birth with midwives and starting to unpack all the little things that were happening where I was still slightly abused and coerced. I, it was like, you know, holy shit. And I, I remember sitting down with my husband one night, and this is right before we conceived our third. And I said, if we have another baby, I think I want to have a free birth. And he said, okay, so what does that mean? Does that mean that you just have your birth by yourself or do you, you know, do you still go to appointments or, and I said, well, it can mean whatever we want it to mean. I'm not clear on that yet, but I, I want to have my birth with just you and I. And he said, well, shit, if we're going to do that, like, why don't we just do the whole thing by ourselves? Like your body's amazing. We know what we're doing. We don't need anybody to tell us anything. Let's, let's fucking just do it all by ourselves. And I love my husband so much. And just him saying that was like, fuck yeah. You know, his confidence in it too. He's like, you got this, like, this is you, you know? And I, can only wish for that for all husbands. Um, and I, I think that that also for me personally, just having his full confidence, not that I needed it, but it, it, it felt really, I felt seen. Yes. It's huge. Yeah. Being so, so, you know, supported by my partner and he had been on this journey with me. He had witnessed everything happen. And so, um, yeah. So just, heading into, I conceived. Well, I do. I kind of want to lovingly call you out right before yeah. you talked about your, your husband that you said you were naming your midwifery attended birth. And you said, um, and I was still slightly abused and coerced. You used I was fully abused. The word slightly, which is interesting. 
Yeah. It's like, I want to protect them. Yeah. Like I think it's really, it's really okay to say what it was. And just because there was more arguably abuse in the hospital, you know, it's not like a competition. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be like a spectrum. It's yep. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And (laughs) I'm going to really take that in. Yeah. Like we have to call it what it is. We do. You know, even like, I don't, I don't like the term birth rape because it's like, why are we, why are we not? You didn't say that. I'm just making Mm -hmm. up another thing that I hear women say all the time. It's like, why are we putting it in this certain category? Like rape is rape is rape is rape is rape. It doesn't need to be like coded Uh in this particular, you know? Yes. No. And language is really important. So thank you. (laughs) You have your wonderful partner on board. You're like, this is happening. And at what point? then do you wind up conceiving your third? How far, how old is your Uh, So my daughter was about two and a half. Mm -hmm. And um, we very consciously conceived this baby more so on my end. I think my husband was like, we'll probably wait a few more months, but I was very in (laughs) tune with if this baby's supposed to come in, I want this baby to come in. And um, so- I got pregnant and, um, it was, gosh, when did I find out I was pregnant in like December of, you know, 2019. So you can imagine what was yet to come. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, I get very sick in my pregnancies in the beginning, first few months. I'm very like, I throw up a lot. I'm just in bed a lot. And from a spiritual approach, I now see that as like, that's what my body needs. I need to retreat. I need to just in those early weeks, this little being, these beings that are growing inside me are sacred and they need me to just protect my energy and be home. And so that's what I did. I, um, my husband had to take on a lot and watch the kids a lot more. And I was very grateful. We had some help. And I remember just sitting with myself and talking to this little being at like seven weeks and being like, what is our path together? Is this what we're supposed to do? Help, help lead me. And everything inside of me just said, we got this, we're doing this. And I always said to myself, I'm not going to like be so connected to having to have a wild pregnancy and free birth because it's like this thing I have to do. I'm going to do it because my intuition is leading me there and my baby is there. And I'm so connected to self that I know that this is my path. And if something else tells me it's not, I'm open to seeing what that is. And to be clear, that's every woman I've ever met who's chosen free birth, you know, because so many women I know their, their shitty families reflect to them (laughs) that it's egotistical and that Mm -hmm. it's, you know, irresponsible and that they're trying to prove something and all Mm -hmm. these, you know, like really really strange, fictitious, you know, concepts. Uh, and I've never met anyone, maybe there's someone out there, but I've never personally met, interviewed or talked to a woman who was ride or die (laughs) stubbornly, no matter what, because that's not motherhood. That's not life. And women who choose this path are often quite wise and intuitive. Yeah. 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 And I, I just kept talking to my baby and meditating and I will never forget. I went and got acupuncture at 11 weeks and I was laying on the table 
and I felt her movements ah, at 11 weeks. Nice. I felt her. It was like, she mm-hmm. was like, Hey mama, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was just this, like, I was at night and it was just this sacred moment. And she was just talking to me, like, we're here, you got this. And so I kept on that path. I, um, just talked to her every day, felt her every day. I, um, went out in nature. I ate really well. I protected my energy. I did not tell anybody that I was doing this besides Mm -hmm. like my one best friend, maybe one other close friend. And like, that was it. And And to everyone else, did you lie or like, what did it look like? Yeah. You know, that's, what's interesting. It's like, I just kind of omitted the truth. Mm -hmm. So they would be like, do you have support? Are you in care? Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> you know? And okay. So what do you like, trust me? And I had a lot of friends. They wanted details. They wanted to know. And I just was very quiet about it. Yep. I have support. Don't worry. I got it. You know? And that's what I did. Cause it's what I had to do. And I think I had one person kind of really get in there and ask about my, my, if I was having a midwife or what. And I just said, yeah, I do. People are so intense. Like the level of entitlement that people unreal. to pregnant women's decisions is fucking mind blowing. It literally it never ceases to blow my mind. It does. It, it really so weird. And, and it was like, you know, it was very expected from the people that did that. Um, uh, I also was in a time in my life where, you know, I've outgrown a lot of those friendships mm-hmm. <laughs> now where I'm at in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I just did what I had to do. We didn't tell any family. Um, my mother knew um, because I knew that my mom would, even if she didn't like it, she would, she would support me and she would she actually, because res- she actually respects you. She respects me. Right. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the capacity to not understand or even potentially agree or make the same decisions and still support you is basic human respect. Yeah. I'm saying yes. this for everyone listening because mm-hmm. I just am like every woman this week that I know in my life is telling me about how their families don't understand. And so they're just being like so awful. And it's like, right. Cause they don't respect you. Yep. Respect is the capacity to hold differences, you know, and still be in love and good faith and support with each other. So I'm so glad that your mom is mature mm-hmm. enough to do that with you. That's huge. It is. And I'm forever grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, um, you know, I had a very beautiful pregnancy, um, around 25 weeks, I noticed some blood, which I had never bled in a pregnancy before. Um, mind you, right before that happened, I was working through some trauma with my therapist at the time. And literally I had done a processing session with her the next, uh, that, that, that day. And then the next day I started bleeding. Mm. And I remember it was the only time in my pregnancy that I was like, Oh, could something be wrong? And I'll never forget. I reached out to two women in the community, um, that had had free births. And I told them what happened and they gave, both gave me the most amazing advice. And they said, what I want you to do is I want you to go somewhere quiet and I want you to talk to your baby. And I want you to ask your baby if everything's okay. And that's what I did. I went in nature. I felt my baby moving. And I said, are you, are you okay? Do you have anything you need to tell me? <laughs> Everything was, 
I'm okay, mom. We're good. You, this is, this is nothing to worry about. And it maybe lasted two or three days and then it was done. And, um, I trusted that wholeheartedly. I went on to, yeah, have a beautiful pregnancy. I, I, you know, something I want to note is that I never once felt this need to listen to the heartbeat. You know, we obsess in this culture about listening to the heartbeat and, you know, your first ultrasound, you hear it. I'm like, why do I need to hear her heart? I feel her moving. That's enough for me. I'm connected to her, you know? And so it was like this also unraveling of like the technology that we like just so hold so tightly on. And it was this revelation of like, yeah, if I'm in my body, I know what's going on. Everything is being revealed to me. And so, you know, I might've listened very late on two or three times, but not by any attachment to it needing to mean something. And, um, at 38 weeks, three days, I, uh, woke up at 1130 PM to my waters releasing. Mm. Uh, and it was a beautiful feeling. Um, and that was you know. your first spontaneous rupture. And how magic was it that that's how my labor started? Mm-hmm. I had never felt that before. And I have to tell you, it felt good. Mm-hmm. It was like warm and comforting yeah. and I oh. loved it. It was beautiful. And, um, I set, uh, you know, I set up my room beautifully. I had invited my best friend to be there just as a wise woman witness. And I had said, you are just here to witness me and watch me. And that is what she did. She just kind of sat and watched and she came and, um, I talked to my baby. I sang, I danced. And I have to tell you not one point did I feel scared or out of body for the first time in my life? I was fully in my body. I look back, even with my home birth, with the midwives, even in the hospital, I was out of my body. I wasn't fully there because of all the distraction and of all the outside. And so it was like my time to just be with myself I roared, I screamed, I got in and out of the tub. I did all the things that I needed to do. And I remember listening, I think it was to one of Yolanda's talks or or, or, um, birth affirmations. And she said, one of the things that you need to do is get so in touch with what your body's telling you. And you need to do this before you go into labor. So when you need to go pee, go pee. When you're hungry, get some fucking food and start doing that. So you can be so in tune with what your body needs. And I remember that during my birth and like, okay, I want to fucking get up on all fours right now. I'm going to do that. I want to put my leg in the air, you know, just, just letting it be what it needed to be and not having any shame or second Mm -hmm. thought. And, uh, I had Nancy's birth affirmations playing in the background. And, um, I, I must've labored, you know, actively for five hours. And I remember transition hitting and her head. I remember this feeling of her head pushing and pushing down and sticking my hands inside myself and feeling her and literally working with her to come out. And it was so magical. Her head came out. I got on all fours. I put my leg up. I moved because she, you know, she didn't just fly out, which, you know, you'd think, you know, you hear, oh, you're third, you know, it's going to just fly out. No, mm-hmm. like she had a different had to work. And 
I used my instincts and I know, I know for a fact that if I was in care, I would have been forced to move around and there would have been a lot of fear because she took a while to emerge. Mm-hmm. It was a couple minutes that her head was out and I just trusted. I kept feeling her movements and her telling me I'm okay. I eventually, um, I mean, I was all over the place. I eventually flipped over and she came out and I remember, you know, my husband saying baby's here and me saying, no, baby's still inside. Like her knees down, we're still inside. And we noticed, (laughs) and he's like, babe. And we noticed that her cord was kind of like a necklace under her, wrapped around her neck, under her armpits. And my husband helped guide the cord around with me. And we were gentle. And I said, gentle, gentle. And he said, okay, we got this. And then she shot out once we kind of unwrapped the cord and I picked her up and I put her on my chest and she was warm and perfect and she cried and I just looked at her and I, I I don't know, it was literally like my entire life flashed before my eyes and I fucking did this, you know? And I remember my husband looking at me like, I can't believe you fucking did this, you know? And we didn't know the sex at the time. And we looked and saw that she was a girl and um, we just basked in this moment together. And it was so beautiful. And here I had, you know, my wise woman witness just literally kind of like with her mouth to the (laughs) floor, like just watching, you know, and not interrupting. No one interrupted nothing. And um, I just, you know, I just held her, my daughter, um, my youngest daughter was a little bit there through the labor. She had woken up on and off and she came in the tub with us. My son was still asleep and, um, we stayed in there for about 20 minutes. I kept checking in with my body. You know, the after pains were pretty intense this time. And I started feeling like, Oh, I need to get this placenta out. I need to get this placenta out. And I stood up and we felt something. And I was like, okay, this must be the placenta. And I bear it down. And in fact, it wasn't the placenta. It was a huge blood clot. (laughs) And, you know, I wasn't scared. I had done my research. I knew that these were completely normal. Um, I felt fine. I checked in with my body. It was kind of fascinating to look at. It was a weird shape. And Mm -hmm. um, we, we got out of the tub. I went to the bed and I maybe laid there for 15 more minutes. And I said, okay, I'm ready to get this fucking placenta out. I was cramping and... I coughed four times and it came out and it was the most beautiful, perfect whole thing. I barely had any bleeding and I felt incredible. My baby latched instantly. Mm, Nice. I mean, it was, it was pure fucking bliss. I didn't tear. I mean, what the fuck? Like this is real. This is undisturbed real birth. And I have to tell you, and there's part of me that feels a little sadness because I didn't get this with my other two children. It's so sad. But my connection to my daughter, there are no words. There are no words. I, everything has been intuitive. Everything has flowed. Everything has felt seamless and easy. My life has transformed since this experience. I literally have come into myself as a woman. I have healed things from my past through this experience that I never thought possible through fucking years of therapy. I haven't been able to really tap into. And 
it's just changed my fucking life. And it's fucking beautiful. I just thought of a new slogan for, for us, like sick of therapy, try free birth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. An infomercial on it. I mean, yeah. An infomercial. Fucking real. You'll be our spokeswoman. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my God, I love that. I love it. I totally get it. I love it. Yes. Yeah. So here we are. And my, my, my youngest is about to be one and, um, I've completely, um, I've shed a part of myself. I, I've, I've kind of outgrown some friendships and it's been hard and challenging, but I trust that it's, um, actually bringing me to more authenticity in my life. And I've been hosting women's circles in my backyard (gasps) and just witnessing the power of holding sacred space with other women. And I've been singing and dancing and doing all the things that bring me home to myself. Mm. Yeah. So I'm on um, Instagram just at Kelly Freed. So it's K-E-L-L-Y-F-R-I-E-D. And uh, I post about my circles and um, yeah, anything birth and, and motherhood related. So I'd love to have anyone join that is interested. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so yeah. much. It was a real thank you. pleasure. Took me on a real emotional ride there. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. yeah. It's like the it's like the caterpillar becoming the butterfly, you know? Yes. Like it, it's chrysalis. Yeah. It's it what really it is. is. So cool. Yeah. Now you're just like the monarch. <laughs> I am. I am fucking free. And it is amazing. Oh, it's so good. I'm so glad to know you. And yeah, oh, thank you. Me too. Sure. Thank you, Emily. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching. Learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise, and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honoured. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension, I will fly and bring her back from the start.